Praise God. Well, the last two nights in a row, I, after the services, I went to the Waffle House. I don't think I've ever been to the Waffle House. The first time I went, I was like, glory to God, this is so good. Man, I was just having the time of my life eating all that food. These guys are like, isn't he supposed to preach? Why does he talk about the Waffle House? And, uh, and it was just great. It was so good. We went back last night. I didn't have the same experience, man. I was just like, I think it was nostalgia and anyways. So I don't know what's going to come out of me this morning, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Grab your Bibles. Go to Matthew 14. I promise we'll make this meeting legal and uh, we'll get into the word of God. But years ago, I want to tell you a quick story. Years ago, I was 19 years old and I was uh, on my way to a Bible college in Pensacola, Florida called the Brownsville Revival. I was getting ready to to go and get trained for the ministry and, and, and fulfill the desires that God had put on my heart. And um, I woke up one day and all of a sudden, it was like somebody hit me in the back with a baseball bat. I couldn't move both sides. And I was like, what is going on? I was an athlete. I was in shape. And I was like, what is happening with my body? What's going on? I'm, I couldn't even move. And um, so I, I called in from work that day and I stayed home and, and I was like genuinely kind of freaked out. You know what I'm saying? Afraid. These symptoms just hit me. And, and then it started hurting. I'm going to get, we're family here, right? It started hurting to go to the bathroom. I'm like, what's going on? You know, some of you guys already know what this is, but I was 19 and didn't have any health insurance. So I'm just like, oh, Jesus, what is this? And so I'm pounding prune juice. I just thought I had like a kidney infection, right? I'm killing prune juice and anything red to just cleanse my body. And then a few days later, the pain went away and I was like, whoa, okay, thank God I'm good. And then the next week, all of a sudden it would return and, uh, and it would just, this pain persisted for about six months where I'd wake up one day with pain, and then it would go away. And so I thought, okay, I'm fine. Well, in the middle of all this, I go off to the Brownsville Revival, and um, we're there in this revival, and my life's being transformed. And a couple of months into being there, we had a spiritual lemsis week where this missionary came from Mexico, and, um, and he was just blowing my mind because He's talking about all these miracle stories and the power of God moving. This woman fell off of a, a truck and broke her arm and her, her compound fracture. Her bone was sticking out of her skin. It pierced her skin. And he picks up her, hand, her arm in his hands and he begins to pray. And then all of a sudden, right in front of his eyes, the bone goes back into the skin. The skin heals. It's completely healed, but there's blood on his hands. I'll never forget hearing that story. I'll never forget hearing stories about um, demons and witches getting confronted and, and the powers of darkness being destroyed and then people being raised from the dead, nearly 300 people being raised from the dead. His name was David Hogan. And I'm all week listening to this, this guy just going, I need to get the Bible. He's reading, right? Like, what is going on? The kingdom of God is real. Whoa, way more than than my experience of it at least. And so I'm just listening, I'm receiving. And then on Friday, I mean, my faith is just being stirred. You know, when you, be, when you begin to see miracles, when you begin to see God do things, it breaks the unbelief that's in your heart and establishes a faith in God that becomes hard to not believe. Because when God does something, when he speaks, when you see a miracle, when you see the presence of God come, it like, it, it's like a gift of faith that hits you. And you've got to grab unbelief, grab lies, 
and say, nope, I'm not going to follow that. I'm going to follow this in order to sub, you subjugate the, the faith God just gave you. So I'm sitting here, I'm just, I'm receiving. And there's this impartation of faith I'm receiving all week long. Friday comes around and he said, if you need a miracle in your body, raise your hand. So I did. And somebody come up, put their hand on my shoulder and they prayed for me. And I felt nothing. I didn't feel fire. I didn't feel lightning. I didn't feel goosebumps. I didn't shway, fall on the ground, nothing. I'm just standing there like, okay. And in my mind back in that day, it was just like, I'm not courtesy dropping for nobody. All right. I'm not making it up. This is either real or not. What I realized is that skepticism was rooted in unbelief, not in faith. So here I am. I get prayer, and my symptoms didn't change at all. So now I had a choice. Is God real? Is his word true? Or do I trust my symptoms more? And so I'm standing there. Next day, I still have pain in my body. Saturday, I still got pain in my body. All of a sudden, I realized I had something in my heart I did not have before this week with David Hogan. I had a faith I didn't have before. There was an impartation of faith I received that I knew, I'm like, oh, this is, this is real. And it looked like, oh, no. I don't care what my symptoms say. I'm speaking to them. I have authority over this. So I begin to speak to my body. Body, line up with the kingdom of God in Jesus' name as my symptoms are going, <laughs> I'm not moving. And I felt sheepish, right? Body, just stop hurting. Oh, I'm faithing and making it now. I'm blabbing it and grabbing it. What is it, you know? All my feelings, the war inside of me. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's really just unbelief manifesting as fake wisdom. Anyways, body line up with the kingdom of God. Sunday, Monday, my symptoms are like, I'm not moving. And I'm like, faith is going, stop pain. Get out of my body. I'm speaking. My faith is growing. I'm feeding my faith. I'm saying, man, I, I can't deny all, these, all this, this power that I just saw, the miracles, the, the kingdom of God is real. And I'm speaking and I'm speaking. Tuesday rolls around. I'm speaking to my body. We're family, right? I wish that was a different miracle because I got to talk about the bathroom because it's just my story. <laughs> I passed a kidney stone I didn't even know that I had. And this is no joke. My now wife, friend at the time, saw it. It was the size of a Tic Tac. It got him right there. He felt me. It had jagged edges all over it. And when I passed it, there's no pain, no blood. Healed. Pain gone. Healed. Completely healed. And you better believe it. I went dumpster diving. That was my trophy. I went and got that thing, put it in a bag, and walked around Brownsville like... I cut Goliath's head off. Brother Carlos, you know what I'm saying. You've been contending, right? I'm like, look what the Lord has done. I'm like, I peed this today. <laughs> I told my dad, he's like, well, I'm going to send you to the doctor. Let's go to the doctor. They x-ray me. He looks at it. And I said, he said, so you pass this with no pain or blood? And not when it came out. I said, see, doc, you can't deny it. it was a miracle. And he goes, I don't know what to say. Jesus Christ healed my body. Amen. 
Faith triumphs over fear. Faith and fear are vying for the same place in your heart and in your life. I had a choice to make when my symptoms were speaking to me to trust God, trust the testimonies I hear, trust his word, or trust my symptoms. When we say, God, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be, I trust you, God. Anything's possible with you, of course. Anything's possible. God can do anything. But the Bible doesn't say that. It says anything is possible with God, not for God. Which means your involvement of faith. So when I had these symptoms talking to me, I had to trust God over that. Amen? Matthew chapter 14. We're going to read about this. And today I'm going to preach a message called Faith Triumphs Over Fear. Fear there is a, a spirit of fear that's puked all over our country in the last few years. We've been conditioned to live in fear, forced into it. Put this mask on or else you're going to be a murderer of somebody else. Literally what we've been told. Culture has, is, is spewing fear all over us and telling us, you know, you better not speak up. If you say something, you're going to get killed. You're going to get canceled. You're going to be, you're going to be a racist. You're going to be a bigot. You're going to be blah, blah, blah. And you just, all of a sudden, we just, we just get conditioned into fear. And what fear's job is it comes along and it says, I'm going to take this woman of God who's got a call in her life. And I can't stop her because I've been defeated, but I'm going to keep her small. And when we trust the fear, when we listen to the fear, it actually stops us from moving in faith. And it keeps us small. It keeps us from our destiny. So today, listen, guys, I have my bullseye right on the head of fear, and we're going to shoot it today. People are about to get set free from the spirit of fear. You're about to get liberated in your soul if you want it. But you're going to have to partner with God. You're going to have to move. And when God speaks, when the spirit of God speaks to you, if you want to step into it, you move now. You don't, I'll do this later when I get home. That's just the spirit of stupid. And really what it is, is it's the fear of man. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what people are going to think about me. Man, when God speaks, jump into it. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. The disciples were kind of like the three stooges. Boop. Right? They just didn't always know what was going on. But God bless them. They were, they were awesome. They weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Jesus was gracious. You know, one time they were in this boat. Verse 24. We're going to read, just read the story. Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go before him to the other side. He sent the multitudes away, right? The boat was now, verse 24, in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was, was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Everybody say, troubled. Have you ever been troubled before? Saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, be of good cheer. <laughs> I think Jesus is kind of a comedian. Sorry. He actually invented humor. Have you ever been afraid? You're like, we're all going to die. This thing's in my mind. I'm being hit right now. Ah! You, don't know the, you don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know the situation. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, how's it going? Be of good cheer. It's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. And he said, come. Everybody say, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. 
Everybody say, go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Bow your heads and pray with me right now. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit that's in this place. Thank you that you didn't come to condemn us in our fear. You didn't come to shame us in our fear, but you came to say, I got this. Don't be afraid. God, I pray right now, let the voice of God come over this room and destroy shame, destroy guilt that has us locked in fear and let the love of the Father come and pull us out and embrace us. I just declare over this room right now, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Amen. If you're with me right now, say amen. amen. Fear and faith, they fight for the same real estate. They both fight for the same real estate. When those symptoms were hitting me, I had a choice. Do I trust the symptoms or do I trust God? I didn't know how to put it in words back then, but now I know when, when fear comes, it's a choice. You don't have to submit to it. When thoughts come to you, you don't have to submit to it. Peter saw Jesus walking on the, world, on the water and he said, Lord, if it's you, come. And Jesus said, come. I would like to propose to you that day that when Jesus called him to come and Peter stepped out of the boat, he didn't step on water. He stepped on a word. Is this thing on? He stepped on a word. He stepped on come. You see, when God calls you out of a dark place, when God calls you out of, of, a, of a current situation, when God calls you out of something, he calls you to something because he's a good father. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. And he's saying, come. And as you trust him, you're going to step on his word. He is not just some, some invincible thing. He's not just some, some thing out there you can't see. He is the rock of ages. And when you step on the word of God, it's more sure than anything you'll ever receive from the government, a friend, your spouse, anybody, because he is the living word. The word was there before time began, before the world was created. The word of God is true, and you can trust it. Your feelings. It was a nice golf clap. I like that. It was good. It was good. We're almost, we're on our way. Feelings, feelings will lie to you. Amen. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. How do we grow in faith? We got to grow in hearing. We got to grow in hearing. Now, if that meant, okay, I'm just going to listen to the Bible all the time, then we could just, you know, put it on speed read and just listen to it 24 hours a day, and we'd be like Smith Wigglesworth by next week, right? But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you hear a word, when the Spirit of God takes the word, the Logos, and makes it a rhema, which means something said now, and you say, okay, no, God's just spoken to me, and you step out of your current situation and onto his word, that's when you begin to see fear go behind you and faith step in front of you. Fear works to, to lie to us through several different ways. I'm just going to skip my notes and just talk to you for a second. You guys are good with that? Fear, is, behind every fear is a lie. How do I beat fear out of my life, Tom? How do I, yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to get out of that, but man, it's, some of you guys are just 
Sometimes, I've, and I've been there before, can I say? Where it feels like I've been punched too many times and just like trusting right now is going to be too exhausting. But I have a choice to make. I can either stay in the boat or I can step towards my destiny. I can step towards healing and freedom. Fear lies to us through a couple of different ways. Thoughts or feelings. Have you ever had the thought to yourself, I don't want to get on this plane. If I get on this plane, something could happen. It could go down in flames. You guys ever had a thought like that? Have you guys ever been in a car accident and you're afraid to get in a car again? Yeah? How many guys got married and it just went south? And then you're just like, I'm never getting married again, man. I ain't doing that. I'm going to stay single forever. And then somebody comes along, begins to steal your heart, and you're like terrified of commitment, backing up, right? Fear lies to us through thoughts and feelings, which is why we have to meditate on the word. If it's God, it'll just happen. That's the laziest theology that will keep you locked in demonic lies more than anything else. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, meditate on this word. Let it be in your mouth. Meditation means put it in your mouth and meditate on it day and night so that you can be prosperous and you make your way successful, right? Faith comes from hearing God's voice. Fear stays from, from trusting fear over faith. What does fear come from? Fear comes from lies, the enemy is completely defeated. Let me, how, much, how much power does the devil have right now? Zero power. If he has zero power, and there's not even like a battle between, like, okay, I love Carmen back in the day. I mean, you remember Carmen, right? I used to love that one, that, that's that one song, you know, the one song, champion. The champion, right? He came to Salt Lake City, and he did that in the arena, and I remember he's out there with the boxing. Jesus gets knocked down, and we're like, we know it's coming, you know? Jesus is like, whoa, I get hit, and then all of a sudden, Jesus comes up three days later. Three, they count to three, and boom, the devil gets knocked out. That's the most inaccurate theological fight in the universe, because the devil didn't take Jesus's life from him. Nobody took his life. He willingly gave it. And when Jesus died on the cross, he was just playing the devil. Not, not playing, he was playing him. Jesus came to set us free. And when he died on that cross, man, he rose from the grave three days later. There was no fight between God and the devil. The devil is completely defeated. The only power the devil has are the lies we believe. Amen? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Chris Falton often says, the dogs of doom bark at the door of destiny. Listen, I'm going to be honest. Several years ago, I was like, I, I, I've been a youth pastor for almost 20 years. I know God's called me to be an evangelist. I've been working out my call as a youth pastor in this place. And then I, I knew, I, was, I, knew, I know like the rest of my life, I'm stepping into this calling. We're going after it. And then, one day, my wife and I, for our 20th wedding anniversary, three years ago, we go to Carmel. We're just having a great time. All of a sudden, she gets really sick. The poor girl was in her room. She couldn't move. And I got her all taken care of, and then I just walked downtown in Carmel to just go and see what's happening in the city. And I'm walking around, and um, hundreds of people all around. I'm walking down this main street. It's beautiful. All of a sudden, from me to you, Nick, there's this... 
Right there I see Mario and Michelle Murillo walking right towards me. Some of you guys know who that is. And I was like, Mario? And we've met before. And he goes, well, my God, son, you can't make this happen. Let's go get some coffee. And so we walk away. We go get coffee. And uh, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is a divine appointment. If you don't know who that is, he's been an evangelist for over 50 years, walking in extreme miracles, signs, and wonders. He's, he's one of the main voices that propelled Bill Johnson into a life of miracles. And so I'm sitting there just like, oh, my gosh. This is a divine appointment because here I am. I'm wrestling in my call. I really want to step into an evangelist, but there's fear punching me. You can't do this. Who do you think you are? You know, and all of the disqualifying lies just start washing over me, right? Like, you're too short. You don't come from the right family. You're from Salt Lake. You ever heard of an evangelist or anybody coming from Salt Lake City, Utah? Anybody here? I didn't think so, okay? And I'm just like, all these lying disqualifications keep coming across my mind your testimony is not powerful enough all these different thoughts and i'm just like and i'm just seasick from the wind that's creating the waves that feel real so i'm just walking through this time okay god i'm gonna trust you so i sit with mario and his wife and he begins to mentor me in the call an evangelist. He, he got to meet Billy Graham. He got to receive from Billy Graham. And he's been walking. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And the Lord knows. He didn't just, he's not trying to just fulfill the, my destiny. He knows that since before creation began, he wrote a DNA on the inside of me that he had this plan for me to walk out and to begin to fulfill as I step into my calling. And it's just like, here I am. God is, God is doing it. That's a moment. How many guys know that was a rhema word for me? How many guys ever had those rhema words for you? You've had some of those very same words. You got a word for your healing. You got a word for your marriage. You got a word for your destiny. You got a word for your business you're stepping into. You got a word for, for your kids. How many guys know I need, you need a word for your finances? You need a word from God for every part of your life you're believing God for. Because that's Jesus. That's his word saying come. And that's what you're walking on. And if you don't have come to walk on, you're just sinking. But when you get that word, I, I can't remember what it is. Do you remember? Ah, oh, man, Jesus is looking at his disciples one time. He multiplies a bunch of food. Does that miracle thing. It all multiplies. His disciples are like, my God, what a, this is incredible. This is way better than fishing, man. This is like, psh. They get in the boat. They're floating away. And Jesus starts talking to them in riddles. And they're all confused. And then he says to him, do you not see? And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> do you not hear? Peter, I thought we did, man. We suck, man. Gosh. And then he said, do you not remember? Now, can I be honest with you? I serve under Bill Johnson. He's one of the greatest men of God on the planet. I get to be in rooms with him all the time, hang out with him. I get to I be around some giants in the faith, and it's a privilege of my life. And being around all these guys, sometimes I'm just like, I can't see what God's doing. And sometimes I can't hear either. How many of you guys ever been there? All, all, I'm, all I'm saying right now is, is the fact that uh, I need food or I'm hungry. Or, you know, my, I'm, I'm hearing, like, I'm hearing uh, fear talk to me. The last two years, ever since that word from Mario, 
and meeting with him, fear has attacked me more than any other time in my life. Gabriel knows. And I have friends in my life that have, I'm like, I'll get hit with a, a thought and it just makes me freeze. And I'm like, is that true? And I'll call my friend, is this true? Bro, no, that's a lie. And I'm like, Whew. Oh, the devil almost tried to get me to believe that. And I realized God is, he saw a little bit of fear in me and he said, oh, we're gonna work that out. You can't go to the next, de- next part of your destiny with that fear in you. So here I am, I'm walking on the water. He says, come. Sometimes you can't see, sometimes you can't hear, but you can always remember. You can remember the word and you can remember what he's done in your life. You can remember the testimonies. And as I began to meditate on the word, on the testimonies, who God is, what he said, that come word that I'm stepping on gets a little bit bigger and the wind and the waves begin to lose their power. But if I don't focus on come, guess what happens? Those wind and the waves, they're gonna, be, they're gonna always be there. Your symptoms are always gonna talk to you. They're always gonna tell you, you're too small. You've always been this way. You're from the wrong family. You're a girl, you're a man, you're too big, you're too short, all this. And the devil just continually lies. And here's the thing about lies. How many guys ever feel like something's true? And you woke up the next day or a few days later and you're like, that wasn't true. Oftentimes we feel it and we're like, oh, that's true. Your feelings are not the highest barometer of truth. Hello. Amen. Whenever you face the more the wind and the waves, it's an opportunity to grow in your faith a little bit more. Faith doesn't come from focusing on faith. It comes from focusing on Jesus comes from focusing on his word, who he is, what he's done in your life. Amen? Smith Wigglesworth was one of the greatest guys to learn from. Smith Wigglesworth was a mighty evangelist back in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. And one time, somebody died. And he had such a trust in God, he wasn't even afraid. He trusted God's word. He never read anything else besides the Bible. He was a plumber who was just illiterate and decided, I'm going to learn how to read because I need to read the Bible. One time, somebody brought a newspaper. Lester Summerall had a newspaper under his arm, and he showed up at his house. Smith said to him, you're welcome to come in, but you got to leave that dirty thing outside. It's not welcome in here. <laughs> We'd walk in a lot more peace if we walked that way. Anyways, Smith Wigglesworth, was, he got called upon because somebody had passed away. Somebody died. Smith, would you come pray for him? He says, sure. So he walks up, sees the dead man on the ground or on the, on the bed, grabs him, pulls him out of the bed, walks over to a wall, slams the dead body against the wall, and he said, live! And the body just went, Did you imagine? Like, can you come pray for my mom who just passed away? You wouldn't be calling this guy. You're like... (laughs) Smith wasn't following the wind and the waves. He was walking on the word. And when you're walking on the word, you can sometimes look crazy to people. Grabs the dead body picks it up, slams it against the wall and says, I said live! Body falls on the ground again. He wasn't going to take no for an answer because he knew the will of God. Grabs the body, slams it against the wall and said, I said live! And <gasps> The guy took a big deep breath and came back to life. Listen, if you want to see the miracles of God flow through your life, you're going to have to trust the word of God in the middle of your circumstance over your feelings. Amen? Behind every faith, the opposite of faith is not fear, it's a lie. Overcoming fear looks like, looks like renewing your mind in truth. Amen? 
Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys want to be abounding in hope? How many of you guys want to abound in joy and abound in peace in your life? Well, it's, the key words in that verse is in believing. What are you believing? What we believe about our circumstances is more, is more important than what we're doing about our circumstance. How many of you guys know hopelessness is a bigger problem than, than your actual circumstance you're hopeless about? Say this with me. Say, there's always a solution to every problem I'm facing. I just felt that one. I don't know about that, bro. You don't know my circle. You don't know my spouse. Your spouse is not your problem. Do you know what fear is? False evidence appearing real. Fear blames, faith, faith believes. Fear. How many guys, I've had this happen to me before, okay? So I'm not poking, I'm just saying I've been there. How do you know you're being influenced by a spirit of fear? All you dream about is your demise. All you think about is your despair. All you feel is worry. And when you look at your life, you have no hope and no joy. The good news is fear's a liar. Fear's been defeated. Fear will always legitimize an excuse for it to be there in your life. But it doesn't mean it's true. His faith overcomes. Faith has, gives courage. Faith gives trust so you can work out and go to the next level. Faith is always abounding in hope and faith is always abounding in joy. When you put your trust in God and you just say, you know what, I'm not going to let fear hold me back anymore. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, what if, what if I would have just a few years ago just said, nah, you know, I, even though I felt God calling me out of the boat of youth pastor and to step into evangelist. What if I would have said, nah, you know, I'm just going to stay here and just be comfortable. I'm just going to, you know, and you don't understand what I have in front of me. I'm at Bethel Church. I could, I could develop anything and it would be awesome. Not because of me, because, but because I'm at Bethel I, could be, I, I had, you know, people like, man, you can develop the next youth pastor network and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah. And as I began to think about it, I was like, that sounds boring. I don't want to do that. Not because it's boring, but because God hadn't called me to do it. Somebody else needed to do it. And it's one of my spiritual sons, and he's doing it, and he's crushing it. It was for him and not for me. But I had to let go of something that was giving me security and comfort and identity, and purpose, and it had given me power. It had given me a place to be where I'm at. And here I am it in my mid-40s going, I gotta let go of something to step into this next part of my life. I had a lot of fears to face, and I had to trust God. So what did I do? I went to the gym. How many of you guys work out? Come on. I know you do right here, bro. had to go to the gym. I love my wife. God bless her. But I'll tell you this. She's never really been in the gym. We, first, we got a membership. I was a wrestler in high school football. Player. I've worked out all my life, off and on <laughs> as an adult. But I take her to the gym. She's like, okay, what do I do? And I'm like, okay, grab this and pull this way. And 
She's like, okay. So I'm getting her going, and she's, God bless you. She's, she's doing great, but when you first begin to work out, it feels awkward. It feels clunky. It doesn't feel real. You don't, you're like, is this working? Again, you can't trust your feelings. You got to trust the trainer. I can promise you, if you stay out of the gym, you're never going to get in shape. So you got to begin to work out these new beliefs. Gosh, where am I supposed to go with this, Lord? Where am I at? We got to, we got to, I had to, I had to step out of this boat. This is what I was going to say. I had to step out of this boat and step onto the word come. I had all these prophetic words of me being an evangelist. I'd had all these prophetic words of stepping into this calling, you know, and it's just like, it wasn't, I didn't have this sure thing. It wasn't like, oh yeah, that's, that's going to happen. There was nothing like, for lack of better words, hear what I'm trying to say. I didn't have a crystal ball that showed me, yep, it's for sure going to be all good. All I had was words I had to believe and, and work it out with God as I go. And as I went, God began to meet me in my trust for him. And I had to overcome fear at every step of the way the last few years. But here I am. And fear's back there. Fear will control you. It'll keep you out of your destiny. God has no responsibility to make sure you fulfill your potential. That's up to you and the Lord. But you have to step into it. Amen? I'm going to share a quick story, and then I'm going to close fast, okay? My, my wife and, and her sister, they used to live together years and years ago and when they were teenagers. And they were all terrified of mice, and they lived in Pennsylvania. And, and one day, she thought she saw the, the, a mouse in their house. And so her sister Val thought it would be funny to get a fake mouse and hide it in my wife's bed. So Leslie comes home one day and, you know, and she gets up in the morning and um, she's waking up and she like, when she makes the bed, she's like military style, right? You can like see it's flat. So she gets out of the bed, she goes to make it and there's this bump and she's like, what is that? Just bump. So she looks at the bed, she's like, ah! freaks out. There's a mouse in my bed. It's dead mouses in my bed. Freaking out about this dead mouse in her bed. So her and Val are just freaking out. You know, they're just like going off. They're, Val's, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so, you know, so they get, they get the sheets and they're just like two, two little girls just like freaking out like Anna Green Gables. They're just going bananas, you know. <laughs> they get the sheets and they, they, they throw the mouse out the window. <sighs> throw the mouse out the window. And then they go to the owner of the house and they say, you know, there's a dead mouse. We found a dead mouse in our bed and we threw it out the window and it's on the porch. Can you go scoop it up? And he's like, sure. So he gets his shovel and, and so he goes out there and gets his shovel to scoop up the mouse. He looks down and he says, this was a fake mouse. And my wife's like, oh my gosh. And Val's like, gotcha. You know what? point is fear controls our lives and we move for fear until you realize you just got to you just got to get close enough to that fear to realize it's just dead it has no power in your life you do not have to be afraid you just got to step on the word come everybody stand with me right now